Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Fantastic. Welcome to church tonight. Are you happy to be in the house? Great to have everyone here and everyone watching online. Uh, thank you for tuning in, whether you're watching live or on replay at some point. It's just great to have you here. Last week, I, um, I started a series. I started a series, uh, sarcastically a little bit, birthed in a little bit of frustration, uh, but I started a series called Deep Teaching, and really, it came out of this idea that, you know, I've been in church a long time, and I've attended church a long time, and I've been in full-time ministry nearly 17 years, and every church I've been in, and all my friends, all the, pa- all the churches that I know outside of our church, if there's one thing pastors always hear on the regular, it's someone coming up to them in their congregation going, I want, I just, I want deeper teaching. The, the teaching here is not deep. I want meat. Give me meaty teaching, right? And this weird thing when like vegetarians say that to you, it's like, well, I thought you, anyway. And, uh, and it's this one thing, and I learned a long time ago, don't get offended. Don't get offended by people because everybody has their own definition of deep. What is deep to you is actually shallow to me. What is deep for me is shallow for another person. So I, I ain't going to get offended. But I would get annoyed of it. And, and I was really wondering, Lord, why am I getting annoyed? And the reason why I got annoyed so often was because I would see a very obvious disconnect between the desire of these people for this deep biblical meaty teaching and their inability to grasp what would seem shallow teaching and actually apply it to our lives. Last week, we talked about how the deepest theology in the Bible is actually in John 3.16. God loved you and me so much that he sent his son, Jesus. God doesn't just love us with words, but he actually showed up. He, 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 bought, he bought us with the blood of his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus a non-refundable gift to the world. That is the deepest theology that we can ever live. And what's amazing is, as deep as it is, it's also the most shallowest. Why? It's so shallow that it allows every person the ability to walk into the river and experience the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Something so deep, yet so attainable by every person. I want to continue on the series this week. I want to go to the text that we looked at last week in Matthew 22. And I want to remind you this, that being a disciple of Jesus is not about learning more information, but it's about living transformation. It's not about just a whole bunch of more head knowledge, but it's actually about whatever you learn, transforming the way that you think, the way that you feel, the way that you act in your life. Last week, we read from Matthew 22. I want to read it again. It says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, in, the, in another translation, he was a lawyer, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Last week, we talked about the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. This week, we're going to talk about the second one, which is like the first in importance and weight. And the title of my message today is Love Your Neighbor. Come on, look at your neighbor. Just yell at them and say, I love you. Even if you don't know them, just just yell at them and say, I love you. Uh, Jesus really cared about this idea of loving your neighbor. It wasn't something that he just preached about, but it was something that he lived. And it wasn't just something that he lived for himself, but it was something that he expected those who followed him to live out as well. John 13, verse 34, it says this, a new command I give you, Jesus talking to the disciples, love one another, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, you got to understand the significance of this verse because the significance is found where Jesus said this. He said this at the end of his three years of ministry at the Last Supper. You know, the very famous painting, Jesus is like, 
and everybody, all the disciples are around him, right? Judas has just left. Jesus begins to talk and share. And he does this kind of last speech to the disciples. They don't realize it's the last speech, but it's kind of like that last. Now, everything Jesus said was revelation, full of weight. It's the eternal word of the Lord. But if you're about to leave and get arrested and get killed, you kind of put, you know, a lot of weight on what you're about to say. And Jesus looks in the Last Supper in his last speech as he gives his disciples and he says this, hey, you got to love one another. As I've loved you, you now have to love one another. And this is what's actually going to prove that you're my disciple. Not a little card that says disciple of Jesus, but you actually loving people is going to be the proof of whether you're my disciple or not. And in this moment, what Jesus was doing was he was separating the fans from the disciples. See, there's a lot of fans of Jesus. There's a lot of fans that come to church. People come to church. Woo! Such a good night. Man, worship goes. Woo! Praise Yeshua. You, you even use Yeshua because you're so spiritual fan. You're giving the offering. You'll do your boo boo. You do, you, you're so spiritual. You'll wear Christian themed t-shirts. I don't know if you can see this, but, but I'm a product of grace. Right? That's how spiritual you are. I hate, I hate Christian-themed T-shirts. I got to be honest with you. Why am I wearing this? I had nothing else to wear today, and someone gave me this T-shirt on Thursday, and I, yeah, I looked okay. I don't need a T-shirt to tell people I follow Jesus. But it fits well, so I'm, I'm wearing it, so it's good. <laughs> Jesus doesn't need any more fans. He had fans earlier in his ministry, and he preached a message that they didn't like, and they all left. He separated them. He said, hey, if you want to be, he's giving a non-negotiable here. It's not a suggestion. He says, you must love one another. He doesn't say try. Jesus isn't giving you points for intentions. He's not saying, give it your best shot, guys. Right? It's not like, oh, Jesus, I wanted to love them, but then I saw them and all this anger came on me, so I punched them in the face, but I really tried, God. No! That is not proof of you being a disciple. You want, you want to show the word you're a disciple? Jesus says this, you must love people. And he says it in this weird way. He says, this is a new command I've given you. He's already told us that we got to love our neighbor. But why did he say new command? Because Jesus adds a new qualification that we didn't initially see in the great commandment uh, story that we read just before. And here's the qualification. As I have loved you, so you got to love people. So Jesus is saying, you've seen me love everyone around you for three years. You've seen how I've treated you, how Peter, you've done stupid things, but I still love you. James and John, you arguing about who's going to be the greatest, but I still love you. You've seen how I loved everybody else. So the way that I love, I need you to love people like this. And you know what he was doing as well? He was setting them up for something that he was about to do, which was amazing. Two chapters later, John 15, it's the same speech, the same Last Supper, the same moment before he's about to be betrayed and arrested. And he looks at his disciples and he says it again. You know Jesus is trying to make a point when he says the same thing twice in one speech. And he says again, a new, uh, uh, when is it? John 15, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Ready? He says again. And then he, then he just, woo, he just throws it down. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is making a point. Second time he's saying it, he's saying you got to love people. But what he's saying is he's setting them up because he is about to practice what he preached. He's about to walk his talk. He's saying there ain't no greater love than someone that's going to lay down their life. That would have been the forefront of each one of these disciples' mind when just a few short days later, Jesus is hanging, dying on a cross, proving the point that he tried to make a few days earlier. Jesus did 
didn't just think this was a good idea. He's not just a great motivational speaker. Jesus is laying down how we must live as his followers. When we love like Jesus, we look like Jesus. And when we love, we are doing what God is. Remember, God is love. Love is not God. God is love. Love exists because of God. And when we love, we are doing the very essence of what God is. And so tonight, I got two quick questions that I'm going to ask and hopefully answer that will help us as followers of Christ, or maybe you don't know Jesus yet. This might be the message that gets you to a relationship with them, how we can love our neighbor better. The first is this, how do we love? It's a great question, because we all have our own ideas of how we love. So why don't we just throw our own ideas, throw our relative truths just to the side for a second, and let's try and find out how Jesus wants us to love our neighbor. It's amazing the language that Jesus uses in this original question that he's asked by the lawyer. What's the greatest commandment? Because he kind of gives more information than, than it's needed. He could have just said, love the Lord your God, but he went on and he said, and the second, which is like it, is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he adds just a little bit of information for, for free, which basically rocks everyone. And he says, on these two commandments rests the whole law and the prophets. What is amazing about that is Jesus is saying the whole existence up until that point of humankind, from creation until the moment Jesus had said that, everything rests on this simple idea of love God and love people. Everything up until that moment rests on this idea. Loving your neighbor fulfills the Old Testament law. Romans chapter eight, Paul writes something. If, if you've never read this before, it could sound confusing, but I'm gonna try and explain it to you. Romans eight, verse three, it says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What, what Paul is explaining to the Romans and ultimately to us in these few verses is that we can't fulfill the law in our own strength. They tried and failed miserably, just read the Old Testament. That's why God had to send Jesus. And it's through Jesus living inside of us that the righteous requirement of the law is met, which means this, we no longer have to live according to the flesh, but we now live according to the spirit which lives inside of us. So the question of how do we love our neighbor is answered this way through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Paul writes in Romans in another chapter, chapter five, verse five, he says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled with his love. And when we are filled with the love of the Holy Spirit, it helps us love others. A heart filled with the Spirit does not habitually pursue selfish ambitions and selfish interests and, and our own selfish concerns, but Spirit-led people willingly yield their rights to God and say, God, teach me how to love. Show me who to love. Show me how to love. Jesus, when he answers the question, he could have just said, love your neighbor. But he put on these two words that, that are just, it's, it, again, it may seem so simple to you, but it's actually very, very deep. The two words were, as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying here. Uh, he didn't have the time, and neither do I tonight, to go through and to show you every single thing of what it means to love your neighbor, right? He didn't say, 
And the second is you got to love your neighbor, which means calling in to check on them every day, you know, sliding into their DMs in an appropriate way to see how they're doing, buying them a coffee when they need it, sending them a birthday greeting, you know, giving them a dinner. Jesus couldn't go through the whole list. And so what he did was he just provided the simplest yet most confronting measuring stick in how to love our neighbor, ourselves. Ourselves. How you love yourself is how you should love your neighbor. Now, for the majority of people, I'm going to talk to you in a second. For the minority of people, though, you, some of you would say, yeah, but James, you don't know. It's either me or my friend. They've got such a negative self-image, right? They were abused, you know, uh, molested. Something horrible happened as a child. They, they, they've got anger issues. They self-harm. So, so how, you know, they don't even love, they look in the mirror and they just see ugly or they see disgusting, you know, and I know I'm speaking to some people tonight, and that's horrible. That's generally the minority, but it's very real. It's horrible. And I would say this even to those people. As much as it's so hard to look at and go, you know, I, I got to love my neighbor as myself. Here's the thing. Even if you have a negative self-image of yourself or a negative self-esteem, there's still even just a little piece of you that wishes you could have been treated a certain way. And even if that's all that you have, that's something you can hold on to. I wish I'd been treated this way. Great. That's how you should treat other people. Some of y'all have no problem loving yourself. I see it every week on your Instagrams. I see it here in church. We have a hallway here. For those of you watching online, we have a hallway that runs down the side of our church building, and, and, and there's three huge, some of y'all are laughing at a conviction already. There's three huge mirrors that go from the floor to the roof, and I stand at the door and welcome everyone into church because I'm but a mere humble servant of the Lord welcoming my parishioners into church, and I see you, you're just walking down, you see Some of y'all are shocked with how good you look. Some of you get really nervous because you know I'm watching you. So as, as I'm walking, you're walking, you're like, you do like stinky ones. Right? Some of y'all, the Instagram selfie patrol, you don't need any help because you look, you, look, you stop, you just, mm, look at you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of y'all are so bad you call your friends, come look, look at how good I look. Right? I see it. You love yourself and that's good. When you feed yourself, you know when you feed yourself, you're loving yourself because you don't want yourself to die. When you clothe yourself, clothing generally is used for protection of your anatomy. Also, it protects our eyes from seeing you naked, but generally it protects you and so you love yourself and you clothe yourself. You do nice things for yourself. Why? Because you love yourself. And so Jesus says this, how do I love? So well, you got to love your neighbor the way that you want to be loved yourself. And this reflects what Jesus said in the most famous sermon that he ever preached, which was the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 7 when he said this, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up, again, the law and the prophets. So Jesus says, how are we gonna love people? How do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do to them what you want them to do to you. Treat them that way. So a simple example is this. Give people the same grace that you demand from them. We all want grace from people. When someone says something to me, you're like, yeah, well, you don't know. I was up all night. I got kids. How dare you speak to me? You're angry. Just have some grace for me, right? So we all expect that grace, but very rarely do we actually give it back to other people. One of the greatest measuring sticks that we can actually use in how we treat other people the way we want to be treated is this. Give the same grace to people that I would want them to give me on my worst day. Jesus, how brilliant is he? In two words, gives us a measuring stick as yourself. How do we love? We receive the love of God. We accept his love. We allow the spirit to come inside of us and then the spirit helps us love 
those around us. I can't spoon feed to you a list. I just gave you one example of grace. I can't spoon feed you a list of all the things that you need to do and how you can love. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is a much better teacher and convictor than I am. And right now, he's already working in your lives. At the end of tonight, we'll pray And I'll pray that the spirit of God will begin to speak to each one of us about how we can begin to love, where maybe we've been letting ourselves down in a certain area, where maybe we haven't been loving others in a way that we should. You all know, I don't need to go through a list to make you feel guilty. The Holy Spirit will convict you. And remember, guilt comes from the devil. Guilt will just make you feel bad and not lead to any change. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit and it will make you feel bad that leads to change. That was a lot deeper than a lot of people, whatever. All right, point number two. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? First question is, how do I love? Second question is, who is my neighbor? This is the same question that was asked by an arrogant lawyer in Luke chapter 10, in which Jesus replied with one of the most famous parables. I would say it's probably if not the, the top three most famous parables that Jesus shared that people outside of church know about, not just people inside of church. I wanna read this story to you. It says in verse 25, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, the smart lawyer, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. Obviously, the lawyer was at the last church meeting where Jesus shared that one. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so Jesus replied and told him a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sent him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I get back. So Jesus looks back at the lawyer and says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. The Good Samaritan, it's very famous. We call hospitals the Good Samaritan hospitals. There's schools named the Good Samaritan secondary colleges and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But the power in this story is actually understanding who the Samaritan was to that Jewish man that was beaten up and robbed. Uh, The Samaritans were a race of people that were half Jewish, half Gentile. In about 721 BC, the Assyrian nation came through and they defeated the uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. If you don't understand this, come and do our Old Testament survey this year in our equipping courses when we do it. But basically, Israel had a civil war. A couple of the tribes went south with Judah, and then the rest went north with Israel. The Assyrians came through, and they defeated them. They took off some people, but they left some of the Jews there, and they left the Assyrians there. And what happened is they began to intermarry. Now, to a Jewish person, this is really bad because God called the Jews not to marry the pagans and the foreigners around them, but to keep to themselves. Was God racist? No, he wasn't racist. In the Old Testament, he was trying to prove a point that he wanted his people to be kept holy, set apart from that which was sin. These other nations that we're talking about didn't just have different skin color. It wasn't a skin race thing. It was the fact that some of these nations were sacrificing their children to these gods. (laughs) No, thank you. So God kind of put it. So to the Jews now that were keeping the commandments and the laws of God, they looked up at their neighbors up north and they had no respect for them. They looked at them like they were dogs. In fact, Jesus had an encounter with a woman at a well, quite a famous encounter, if you know the story. And this is what happens with the woman's response to Jesus. In John 4, verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. 
how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. So why am I taking all this time to try and teach you the historical context of the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans? This is why. Because when the arrogant lawyer tried to justify himself, he asked a question, who is my neighbor? Hoping to hear from Jesus that he only had to love a certain sect of people, a certain few people. Jesus replied and said this, the people that you like the least, that's your neighbor. The people you hate, that's your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? That person that just popped in your mind that you can't stand. Who else is my neighbor? The person that you love the most. Who else is my neighbor? Everyone in between. Jesus wasn't trying to make a point about the priest and the Levite, even though they should have stepped and they should have. The point Jesus was making was this. Who's our neighbor? It's the person that you hate. As Christ followers, we've got to reach out and we've got to love. We don't have to agree with our neighbor. We may definitely disagree on stuff, but we have to love them. And Jesus demonstrated this himself because he went on a cross and he died for the very people that put him on the cross. Who is my neighbor? It's the person that I struggle with. It's the person that I love. It's your household that works for you. It's your employer that you work for. Your boss, it's your employees if you have them. It's your family members. It's your physical neighbor that lives next door. It, it's the government. Amen. And guess what? Jesus called us to love them. Now, is this easy? No. I've been married for 12, 12 and a half years. I love my wife more than any human being on this planet. And every married person would know it's still sometimes hard to love the most loved person in your life. So how much more harder is it to love the stupid people in your life? Come on, am I, am I, pre am I preaching to myself tonight or am I preaching to anyone out there? There's stupid people in our lives. There's people that we feel their sole purpose in life is to make our life more difficult. So many awkward giggles here tonight. It's a conviction giggle, I call it. In the Philippines, we laughed when we feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Don't look at the person next to you because it could be them. It's difficult. You know, a month ago, about a month ago, I preached on gossip and I told you all, for those that were here, I told you how difficult it was for me to preach on gossip, why? Because it's just something that I've struggled with my whole life. Like many of you, super difficult. So I feel convicted. Can I tell you, preaching on gossip is nothing compared to trying to preach this sermon. As I'm preparing, and I'm just trying to be real honest with you. Because as your pastor, as I'm preparing this sermon, God's convicting me on the way I look at people. I got people in my world. They don't attend favor church. I love you all. I got people in my world. I got trolls on the internet now. They're annoying. I got people that I'm connected to that annoy. I've got all these things. And as I'm preparing this and I'm like writing down, yeah, love, Jesus gave his life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach this to our church. Yeah. They're gonna get convicted. Yeah. And as I'm getting in that mode and in that, that, that way, God just starts dropping this face in my mind, that face in my mind, that person that stole a lot of money from me, that face in my mind. 
And as I'm preparing this, I'm going through my own stuff going, okay, God, I forgive. God, I let go. God, I bless that person. I bless them. Give them more money. God, bless, help their marriage. God, whatever it is, bless them, bless them, bless them. The only way that you can love someone like that is through the help of the Holy Spirit. There's many people all day I've said this and all day I've seen tears come. And I sensitively say this. There's people here that have been sexually abused, physically abused, molested as, as a child from your own parents or your Tito and your Tita and different people that were trusted. I talked about that last week. And you're sitting here and you're going, how am I supposed to love that person? How am I supposed to show them love when they did something horrible? And I agree with you, what they did was horrible to the point where if you introduced me to them right now and you told me what they did, it it would take a, a strong human male to hold me back from just punching them in the face. I can always ask for the forgiveness of Christ after. Why? Because that's how strongly I feel about that. And if you say, James, but how can I love? Listen, I, I, the only way I can answer is this. The only way that you can actually love and forgive someone for doing something that horrific to you is through the Holy Spirit. When the love of the Holy Spirit comes on you, we begin to realize just what we've been forgiven of. And it helps us forgive others. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It'll probably be the most difficult thing you have to do in your whole life. And if you need to talk to someone about it, please come and see us. Just say, hey, I need to talk to someone. Stuff came up today. Stuff came up last week. Please, I need to talk. Because I know how sensitive this can be. But, but I'm, I'm not going to stay away from talking about it because you need to be healed. And the only thing that's going to heal you is going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. Accepting the love of Jesus and letting His Spirit come and fill your heart with love. Coming into your life. It's tough, man. This is where I struggle. This is where I struggle. This is where I struggle with other people because of the disconnect I'm talking about. This disconnect of, I want deeper teaching. I, I want to go deeper in the Word. I want more meat. Meat, 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 meat. Right? And then I look, and even I want that. I love studying. I love learning context. I love going into the deepness of the Word of God and the Assyrians, 721 BC. I love all that. I love history. I love knowing the the Word of God. I love all that. But honestly, all of that is pointless if I don't know how to love. If I don't know how to love my neighbor, it's pointless. And Paul describes how pointless this is so beautifully in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the most confronting passages in the Bible. This is what Paul writes to you and to me. He says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others I would be nothing if I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body I could boast about it but if I didn't love others I would have gained nothing Paul says you can do all the great things you can have all the degrees and the little alphabet letters at the end of your title, MBA, MA, PhD, all those things. You can have all the knowledge. You can be as, as spiritual, as prophetic as you want. But if you don't know how to love someone, it's all worth nothing. In fact, he gives us this beautiful picture, a physical picture of what you sound like. When you want deep teaching and you want to go deeper in God and you don't know how to love, God says you're like a clanging cymbal. So you're like, okay, God, I want to learn about the Trinity. Is God really one and three? Three and what? And God's like, you just got to love people. Yeah, no, I know I got to love people. But Paul writes in the Bible that women can't preach. 
Why are we letting women preach in the church? They shouldn't preach. They shouldn't preach. They shouldn't preach. Yeah, just love people. Love people. Yeah, no, I get I got to love people. But is the rapture going to come before the tribulation? Or is the rapture going to come after the tribulation? These are the things we should be learning about because they're so important. Is the rapture even real? Yes, just love people. Yeah, I know I got to love people, but I have to understand, God, was it really six days that you created the world? Or was the six days just meeting a whole bunch of days put together? Love people. The problem is that we start speaking so much nonsense that we can't even hear God when He's trying to speak to us. That's why the world struggles so much with the church sometimes. And listen to me, I am the, I'm the furthest person from saying that we have to be loved by the world. You know, as, as time goes on, as crazy, you know, agendas begin to come through the world more and more, if you actually stand for the word of God, you're going to be hated by the word by the world for what you stand for. But can I tell you this? Let them hate us for the right reasons, not the wrong ones. Let, let them hate us because we stand by what Jesus says, not because we don't love. Not because we have all these opinions and all these things and all these things and we've just forgotten how to love. Paul goes on the very next verse to write, thankfully for every wedding. He writes this, what is love? Love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own ray. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Every spouse said amen. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always helpful, endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Verse 13, he goes on and says, these three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love it's love you want the deepest teaching you're ever going to hear in a church context it's this love God and then love your neighbor you don't have to agree with your neighbor you can accept people without agreeing with them but love them don't love them in a way that will create dysfunction and stress and kill you as a person. We'll talk about that later, about how to put proper boundaries. We'll talk about loving difficult people in, in about a month, but you gotta love them. This is the gospel of Jesus. And I love going deeper and I love study, but all of that is pointless. It's just a, a, just a, a noisy symbol if we don't have love. Isn't that crazy? It says faith and hope. Those are all good things. Paul's like, you can move mountains, you can prophesy, but if you don't have love, it's all pointless. Never get so hung up on the spiritual gifts and the manifestations of God that you forget what's the most important. Love. And believe me, I love the spiritual gifts. Woo! I love prophecy, I love healings, I love miracles, but all of that, all of that rests on the two commandments of Jesus. Love God, love your neighbor. Even the chandeliers agree with me. It's the, it's the air con, they clean the air con. I just like to think it's the Holy Ghost moving through the service. <laughs> uh, some pastors would say that. Um, 
You know, we got a family in our church. I think they're here tonight. One of the girls sitting inside the stage. There's four daughters, and uh, they named three of their daughters Faith, Hope, and Love. You know who's the favorite. <laughs> in a moment, we're going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pray for myself. And if you want to join in the prayer with me, you can. But I'm going to pray for myself because I need help from God to love my neighbor better. I'm respond Usually I pray for you, but to me, I'm responding to myself for I need help. I need to love my, my neighbor better. I need more grace for my neighbor. I need to understand where they're coming. I need, I just, I need to love more. I need to shut up. I need to speak less, and I need to love more. So I'm going to pray for myself, and I hope I get to pray for all of you as well with me. But before I do that, I, I have to do this. I've got to give every person here in the room and everyone online right now an opportunity to accept the love of God. You can't love God without accepting his love first. And to accept his love is to do what the Bible describes, which is to acknowledge the fact that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus is not just a man, he is the man, he is the son of God. There is no other way that we can come to God except through Jesus. And by acknowledging who Jesus is, acknowledging the, his life, the event of his death, and then the glorious resurrection, what ena that enables us to do is actually come to God and have a relationship with God the Father. Maybe you're here and you've never, ever taken that step of faith, never, ever come before God. You might have attended church. You might be a fan of Jesus. You might have a Christian T-shirt, but you don't have a real relationship with Christ. I want to give you the opportunity tonight to start one. Maybe you're here. You did this a long time ago, but you walked away from God. I'm not asking if you had a bad week or a bad month. I'm asking you, you know you once were a follower of Jesus, but you turned your back on him. Listen, he never turned his back on you. Last week, I read out of Romans, there is nothing, height, death, angels, demons, life, death, that can separate you from the love of God. Could you all just bow your heads, close your eyes? If you're watching online, look at me. Look me in the eyes. And if I'm talking to you, if you're that first person, never done this before, maybe you're that second person you did a long time ago, but you walked away. I'm going to count to three. If you're in the room, I want you to lift your hands. If you're watching me right now online, I want you to lift your hands right where you are. And I want you to respond tonight to Jesus. And we're going to pray a prayer together as a family. So if that's you on the count of three, you lift your hand nice and high so I can see it. One, two, three. Right now, lift your hand. Awesome. Here in the front. Thank you, Lord. Up in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. Over on the side. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Online right now, if that's you responding, whether this is live or on demand right now, I just want you to say, hey, that's me. Put your hand up, type it in the box, do whatever you want to do. If you lifted your hand, I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. We're going to pray this prayer together, all of us, especially those people that lifted their hand. I want you to mean every single one of these words that we say. We're all going to say it together. So come on, let's pray. Let's say, dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you defeated death and you rose victorious. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Let your spirit live inside of me and fill my heart with love. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise for every person that just responded? Listen, if you, prayed, if you prayed that prayer, there's a few hands that went up, and I'm sure there's people online. If you prayed that prayer, the Christian walk is not meant to be done alone, and we'd love to come and just come beside you. If you're in the building, one of our team at the end uh, will just try and come up to you and say, hey, I saw you lift your hand, and we just want to pray with you, explain the decision, and help you in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're watching online, you can text the number if you're within Metro Manila that's on the screen, scan the QR code, or just follow that link just to, just to let us know. We want to really know that you made that decision so that we can help you in your journey. Amen? Amen. Come on, why don't we all stand and we're going to pray. And my quick question to you, my quick question is this. Do you need help from the Lord in loving your neighbor?
If you do, just wave your hand so I can see it all over. The, come on, lift up, lift up one of your hands as far as you can, just so I can see. Awesome. I know I'm talking to every person here. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Like I said, I, I, I serve every Sunday and I give out every Sunday, but today I just want to be a little bit selfish and I just need to encounter God in this, if that's okay. I mean, it's tough listening to a sermon like this. Imagine preaching it three times on a Sunday. I've had God encounters every service that I preach to, and, and I know this one. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want the prayer that I'm praying for me to come unto you, I want you to claim it for yourself. I don't want me just to pray it over you, but I want you to actually stand up and say, God, I need, God, help me. God change me God, and begin to pray with me for yourself can you do that can you do because I want you to own this prayer I want you to own this decision to love your neighbor so if that's you come on can you lift both hands to heaven Jesus right now we pray we're so thankful that you came and you died on the cross for us that you gave your life for us oh we love you Jesus and right now in this moment we come before you and we ask you to help us love our neighbor as ourselves. To help us love one another the way that you have loved us. To help us lay down our life, either physically or metaphorically, the way that you did for us. Give us the grace for those that are hard to love. Give us the grace for those that we've struggled with, that it's difficult. Those minds and those, those faces that are popping into our mind right now. Give us the grace to love our neighbor. God, I pray that as a church, we would not be a noisy, clanging symbol, but that we would cut through the noise of the world by showing love for one another, by showing love for our neighbor. Come, fill us with your peace. Fill us overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with love so that from that love we can share it we can give it we can overflow with your love in our lives jesus oh come and fill us come and fill us we need your help i need your help i need your help god i need your help i am not perfect I have flesh in me and I need that flesh to die daily and I need your spirit to lead me and guide me so I pray God help me love the trolls help me love the people with bad opinions help me love the annoying help me love the poor the needy help me love the rich help me love everyone from every circle of life God help me help me love. help me love. Jesus we're going to worship, and we're going to sing this, uh, this chorus, Come Alive. And this is why we're going to sing it, because I want us to come alive in the name of Jesus. Jesus is God, and God is love. And when we sing come alive, what we're saying is, I want to come alive in his love. And when we talk about bringing everything to the feet of Jesus, I want you to bring your hurt. I want you to bring your pain. I want you to bring your offense. I want you to bring what that person did to you or that person that screwed you over or that person that stole from you or lied to you or gossip. I want you to bring that to the feet of Jesus. And as you bring it, I want you to come alive in his love. Come alive in his healing. Come alive in his grace. So if you want that, come on, lift your hands from the front to the back online, lift your hands. Sing it out. Come alive.
help us to love. God, help our church to be known as a church that loves. That loves. Help us love our neighbor. From the easiest one to the most difficult. Help us love the Samaritans that are in our life. God, help us love the way you have loved us. Help us love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on. Hey, why don't you give God, come on. Just give God some praise. Show some love to God. Come on. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Listen, this is a this is a homework sermon because you're gonna be challenged this week to love. Yeah, I was challenged as I was writing this sermon. And I know this week I'm gonna be challenged, but you are too. You're gonna be challenged. And I want to just encourage you. When you're in those moments and you're thinking, can I truly forgive? Can I truly love? This person doesn't deserve it. Just remember, you and I do not deserve eternal life. And yet God loved us so much that he sent his son just in case we decided to believe in him. Just in case. That's how much someone loved you. It's not going to be easy, but with God, it's possible. Amen? Amen. Listen to me. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church slash next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.